Hello and welcome to Southside Church Podcast. For information about our church located in Cape Town, South Africa, go and check out our website, southsidechurch.co.za. We trust that the message would inspire you today. Has there been a time in your life where you felt like the vision for your future was crushed by a single event? And what you thought was meant to unfold in your career, in your relationship, in your life, it just imploded in one moment. Has there been a time in your life where you thought you deserved something or you worked hard enough for something and you didn't get it and you were bitterly disappointed? Has there been a time in your life where you felt mistreated by a person or people in a way that you felt you didn't deserve? And was there trauma, harshness, and abuse in your upbringing? You see, all these different situations, 99% of the time, leave us sad, disappointed, and most of all, angry. Or maybe for you, there are moments in your life, this is me, where when people don't live up to your expectations, standards, or ideas, it triggers anger in you. They don't work fast enough. They don't do it the way you like it or how you want it. And then you get angry and you want to start doing karate. Or maybe you're angry about all the stuff happening around us. Load shedding, food prices, fuel prices, striking. The list can go on. So we can see there's a lot to be angry about. Laura DeShena, author and psychologist, believe that a lot of our anger is generated by what is called desire or attachment. Now, desire or attachment is when a person has an expectation that their life should work out the way they want it to. Or the way they expect it to. So for a lot of us, when life doesn't go as planned, or life doesn't go as we expect it to, or we had hoped it to. We find ourselves in situations where we are hurt, disappointed, and angry. Especially when we are blindsided by the people closest to us. I don't want to go into that. That's a whole different sermon. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 26-27, Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge, nurturing anger, harboring resentments, or cultivating bitterness. You see, to experience anger is normal. It's a natural human emotion. It's not bad to feel angry at injustice, betrayal, disappointment, loss, or pain. It's normal and okay. The Bible teaches us that anger in itself is not a sin. However, it can cause us to sin. It can cause us to hurt ourselves and hurt others if we give it space to grow in our lives. Unfortunately, a lot of us, even myself, we're being conditioned through life to view getting angry and feeling angry as negative, 
evil, immoral, even unspiritual. So we've learned to repress it and hide it. It's become a way of life for us. Dr. John Gutman, an American psychologist and professor of psychology at the University of Washington, says this. Initial anger is not bad. It's a signal that something is wrong and needs to be addressed. However, if you let anger fester, it can become destructive. In the Bible, we see people of faith who are gripped by anger. Moses was instructed by God to speak to the rock and water would come out of it. But in anger with the Israelites, he struck the rock twice. The choice he made cost him the promised land. King Saul was angry because David wasn't supposed to be more popular than him. He was king. It made him very angry. And it gave him mental health problems. Seriously, anxiety and depression. And because of his anger, he was so enraged, he wanted to kill David. Jonah was angry because he expected God to punish the Ninevites for their sins. And he was disappointed when God showed them mercy. The Bible says in Jonah 4, he was angry simply because he felt the, change, the plans had changed. You see, anger can pull us, pull our focus from our purpose onto a person. But really, God's plans never changed. They never do. God's plan was always to have mercy on the people of Nineveh if they repent. Just Jonah wasn't a fan of this. But he didn't sit back and do nothing. He stewed in his anger. And in his anger, he tried to take action to prevent God from showing them mercy and forgiveness and grace. All of these people, their unresolved anger led them to make unwise decisions that actually impacted their destiny. You see, unresolved anger has a cost. And it has the power to have control over us. Cost us and controls us. Unresolved anger. T.D. Jake says, the longer you hold on to anger, the more power you give it. The more power you give it over yourself. And in Genesis 27, we have a great example of how nurturing, nurturing anger starts and begins and takes control over us. We see how Jacob dresses up like his brother to take advantage of his dad's poor eyesight and health just so he can receive the blessing from his father instead of his brother Esau. Now for most of us, we know that Jacob gets this right. He dresses up like his brother, he goes in there and he takes the blessing. In verse 37, it says, when he found out from his father the blessing was gone, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry. But don't you just have one blessing for me, Father? Oh, bless me, Father, bless me. Esau sobbed inconsolably. How many of us can relate to sobbing inconsolably because of a situation in our lives? That's a real human emotion, human real experience, and we're allowed to have them. You're allowed to sob over things that don't happen the way you want, or hurt, or pain, or loss. In one moment, a dream, a goal, a tradition, a position to take hold of was gone. 
the thoughts most likely racing through his mind were, that blessing was mine, now what? My life wasn't supposed to go like this. I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? But we must remember that in Genesis 25, 23, God tells Rebekah, that's their mother, the older of her twin sons will serve the younger. The prophecy from God was already before the boys were born that Jacob will be the leader, that his brother will serve him. He will have the blessing. The way he did it was wrong. But it was still meant to go to him. This is a reminder that God's plans are not always in line with ours. And God's ways are very different sometimes to our wishes. So Esau's anger that he felt, or the anger he was experiencing, was about an expectation not being met in his life, a future now that's looking different, and the betrayal. We can't leave that out. And let's remember verse 37, he sobbed inconsolably when things started to look different. Sad, shocked, and disappointed, he quickly became angry. We must understand that disappointment is one of the roots of anger. Okay. The Bible says in Genesis 27 to 41, he seethed in anger against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He brooded that the time for mourning, my father's death is close, and then I'll kill my brother Jacob. Never heard this word before, seethed, so I had to look it up, and it was great for my sermon. To seethe in anger means to be filled with intense, unexpressed anger. How many of us seethe here? I always know when my wife's seething. She's shaking her head. Nostrils are flaring. Okay. And he brooded, which means to think about a situation that has taken place deeply and constantly, which in turn makes a person unhappy and angry. E.g. example, he brooded over what had happened a thousand times. He repeated and replayed the situation over and over again, reinforcing the situation, reinforcing the feeling, reinforcing the disappointment. And neuroscientists teach us that whatever you retell, retell yourself, right, you rewire your brain, and when you rewire your brain, you actually rewrite the narrative of your life internally. Therefore, you see your reality through the lenses and the filter of your unresolved anger. So basically what happens is when you don't deal with your stuff and you see them brood, right? You actually change the neuropathos in your brain. You change your whole view of your life. And that's what Esau was busy doing here. The more deeply we think about the event, the deeper we dig a painful neural pathway into our brain. And this actually aids and assists us into holding on to the negative emotion, anger, because it's now we're holding on to it, so it's become negative. And it keeps us, it actually keeps us repeating unhealthy, dangerous patterns of behavior. Neurologically. And this is how we fall into the trap of holding on to anger. Something happens in our lives. Something's happening. We get hurt or disappointed. And we seethe. And we brood over it. And by doing this, we are giving anger space in our lives. We're allowing it to fester. We're allowing it to grow. And we're allowing it to rob us of our peace, our joy, and our minds. We must realize 
The quality of our lives comes down to the quality of our habitual emotions. The more you feel an emotion, the more it becomes normal. So the quality of our lives will come down to the quality of our habitual emotions, the emotions we feel the most. Remember in Ephesians 4.27, it said, And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by nurturing your anger. You see, anger that is left, avoided, suppressed, nurtured, is known as the relentless invader of silence that is like a carcinoma to our soul that creeps into our heart and ravages us fearlessly. It spreads like a cancer to the point where you are no longer angry at the event that transpired, but nearly everything else that triggers you and annoys you will bring forth anger. Just to recap, the word nurture means to help the growth or development of something. So when Paul says we must not nurture anger, he means we mustn't help it, aid it, assist it, and give it a chance to grow in our lives. We must learn to not hold on to it or even protect it. Because some of us actually end up protecting our anger for various reasons. Now humans nurture their anger by suppressing it, holding on to the past, not willing to shift their views, finding faults externally to justify the internal anger, blame and not taking responsibility. Neurologists have discovered that there is a strong connection between unexpressed anger and addiction. People who struggle to deal with their anger may be more likely to turn to drugs, alcohol, sex, overeating, and compulsive behaviors to cope with their emotions, being anger. That is because the addiction can provide a temporary escape from the pain of anger. However, over time, it only leads to hurt and harm, and many other destructive consequences. You guys are with me? Good. Okay. You see, our nurtured anger will also have triggers that just fuel and enable our anger to grow. An emotional trigger is a word, a phrase, an image, or an event that causes a strong emotional reaction within us, filling us with intense anger. It can be a word, a phrase, an image, event. Triggers us. The triggers actually cause us to continue in the space of being angry. And that actually assists the nurturing of anger. You see, the anger we hold on to can lead to unhealthy consequences. Esau wanted to kill Jacob. Saul lost his kingship and had mental health problems. Jonah was bitter and revengeful, and Moses never saw the promised land. That's why in Ephesians, Paul urges us to deal with our anger quickly and effectively so that it doesn't have a chance to take root in our lives. He makes it very clear that we must not let anger sit unresolved unexpressed and brooded over. He says we must face it, deal with it, go on a journey, see a counselor, own it, express it, get rid of it. And when the scripture says do not go to bed angry, the focus is not on the literal sunset, as if there's a certain time of day at which we should have dealt with our anger. 
He's saying, don't let time pass by. Don't procrastinate. Don't hold on to it. Deal with it quickly and effectively. Do not carry it over to the next day because then you end up carrying it around, harboring the anger, cultivating anger, and it becomes heavy. It ends up impacting our feelings, our thoughts, our actions, our spiritual well-being. I really have a sense that anger is not meant to be lived with, but only dealt with. Rick Warren says, anger is like a fire. If you don't put it out quickly, it will spread and ends up destroying everything in its path. I just want to show you something quickly. I'd like to show you behind me is a a drawing that I did when I was five years old. And this is what I believed. Please don't laugh. I'm not joking. Five-year-old version of me. This is what I believed. Unresolved anger looked like. This is what I believed that unresolved anger did to me as a person. How it was formed, how it was birthed, and the impact it had on my life. And I went and I did a study. I looked at the colors psychologically the negative meanings behind these colors the dark purple means frustration and sadness the black means grief and heaviness and the red means anger but the crazy part is look at where it started it starts in my stomach and moves all the way up to my heart into my head and then what can you see in the eyes red there's a lot of things under our anger that have caused the anger but i also want to point out this that the places that these uh, colors are, I had stomach aches, I had anxiety, I had heart palpitations, I had funny thoughts, I had headaches. You're getting where I'm going with this. And the report actually says in here in June 1991 that Jared struggled with aggression and couldn't practice self-control. Anger. Is unhealthy. And that's why the psalmist reinforced the dangers of remaining in anger when he says in Psalm 37, verse 8, Stop being angry, it only leads to harm. The verse shows us that yesterday's anger only leads to harm, harm, headaches, stomach aches, anxiety, depression, irritability, heart palpitations, tightness of chest, high blood pressure, fatigue, job loss, broken relationships, heartburn. There's more. I just, I just put a few in there. I've got a time limit here. Okay. Nurtured anger will mess us up and eat us up from the inside out. But, and I feel like this is prophetic in this time for us. Very much for me. But in Colossians 3, 8 to 10, it says, But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, and slander. I sense in this hour, in this moment, this is a prophetic word for us as a church. And as people, but now is the time. Not tomorrow or next week. Now. This is our opportunity to slowly take back what's on the other side of our anger, which is joy, peace, our freedom, our minds, our health, our relationships, and our purpose. Let's not have the same attitude as Pharaoh when his, life, when his life was plagued by infections, sicknesses, and frogs, and he had the chance to get rid of it, he said, tomorrow. I'm saying now is the time. God is saying now is the time. Billy Graham says, the best way to deal with anger is to deal with it now and immediately. Do not let it fester and grow. So this morning, 
Let us together as a church and as individuals become more aware of the anger we may be harboring and take the bravest step there is by finding the courage to acknowledge the anger we may be holding on to. Brene Brown says, acknowledging your struggles is the first step to overcoming them. May we be encouraged this morning and have a new desire to commit to going on a journey with Jesus to identify its source and begin to wrestle with it daily, slowly reframing it, removing it from our lives because we know now it's dangerous towards our destiny. Stripping off all the weight. But you might be saying to this whole sermon, Jared, you don't understand what I've been through. You're right, I don't. I have no idea. And I'm sorry for all you've been through. Really, I am. But I have a very clear idea how miserable our futures will be unless we deal with our anger that we've been holding on to and pushing down for a long time. And as we come to land in Proverbs 3, 1 to 2, it says, Remember my teachings and instructions. They will help you live a long and prosperous life. So let us press in intentionally this morning, remembering and taking to our hearts and our minds what we've heard today, the teachings and the truth of God's Word, so that the quality of our lives will increase, allowing us to live healthy and long and prosperous lives and futures and destinies as we journey with Jesus. You see, this message isn't about telling you how to take five steps to successfully, perfectly get rid of your anger in one moment, the anger you've been holding on to or nurturing in your life. But it's a message to encourage us to go on a journey daily, faithfully wrestling with our anger with the intention of removing it from our lives as best as we can with God by our side and the Holy Spirit working within us with a deep acknowledgement and realization that yesterday's anger is not healthy for our lives on any level, especially our destiny in Christ.